Welcome one and all to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I am joined as I am twice weekly throughout the fall by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can get at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon. The Talking Tide podcast available to you first on our web host at podbean.com. Also on various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Talking Tide Twitter feed is at Talking underscore Tide, and you can catch links to the podcast there as soon as they drop. Always at podbean.com first, and of course they follow uh, soon after on those apps. And with that, I bring in Travis Ryder to discuss uh, Alabama's 66-3 romping of Western Carolina for the Sunday nighter. Going to be a brief Sunday nighter, more than likely, Travis. Not a lot to talk about in this game. Maybe we touch on the Iron Bowl a little bit, even though we'll be previewing that more expensively midweek. Uh, but uh, this this game against the Catamounts, I, I think it's fair to say that, that Nick Saban would have gotten a better look uh, with an inter-squad scrimmage. Yeah, it, it felt like a day for sure inside Bryant Denny Stadium Saturday morning. Um, when you mix in some inclement weather that we had in the area, uh, a lackluster opponent, um, but at the same time, it was probably a game Alabama needed at that point. With Tua Tagovailoa lost for the season, with injuries being what they are, especially along that defensive line, I don't think in this one particular instance. Nick Saban minded so minded too much that you know everyone in college football uh, wasn't playing uh, uh, power five opponents on a weekly basis. Nick's pushed for that in the past, but I think Nick this week was okay with an FCS opponent. And again, it served its purpose for this team. Yeah, I thought Alabama did about what it was supposed to do. Uh, you know, it was it was a lackluster, it was not a lackluster performance, but a drama free performance from the quarterback position and from the defensive line. And so, uh, you took care of business. You got out of there in about three hours time. Uh, for the most part, it looks like Alabama got through it without any additional injuries to go on that report for the iron bowl this week. So I'd say mission accomplished across the board for the, for the most part. Yeah, Mac Jones only 15 pass attempts for the game. He certainly made the most of those with 275 yards and three scores. He played a half and change. Talia Tungavaloa finishes things up, only threw a couple of passes himself, playing most of the second half. But uh, between the, the, the low number of pass attempts, Travis, I think tells you Nick Saban Wanted to run some clock, run the football a little bit more in this game and just get in and out. You said three hours and and running the football a little bit more is the way to do it. Yeah, and uh, and talk about uh, A-Day. That was an A-Day kind of offensive game plan, right? Pretty basic, vanilla, uh, what you totally expected. You're right, just 15 pass attempts for Alabama in the game. Um you know, hit some big plays, a couple of them on simple jet sweeps, or not even jet sweeps, but the quick flips to the flat. You saw Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith turn into uh, explosive plays for touchdowns. But, you know, Mac Jones, when he needed to, especially with the way Western Carolina was sort of uh, boxed up in there against the run, hit some big throws down the field, and that's going to be important this week. Um, and not just the ability to, to throw the football down the field, uh, but as we'll get into more probably midweek, 
you know, he's going to have to have that feel in the pocket and that calmness about him, a poise uh, that you've grown accustomed to seeing so much from Tua Tonga-Vailoa the last couple of years where, you know, that initial pass rush, that initial flash that he gets in his line of sight and his vision against Auburn, because it's going to happen. Um, can he sort of, you know, deal with that in a way in which he's able to reset and get himself in position to still deliver the football and not get caught up in looking at the pass rush? You know, Mac hasn't really been challenged to that extent yet, certainly not on the road like he's going to be on Saturday, but it starts against Arkansas and Western Carolina. You know, when, when it's been asked of him to make the intermediate to deeper throws, Chase, he's done it pretty successfully to this point. We'll find out if he's ready for the moment, if he's ready for the stage. Yep. It's, it's uh, I guess the Auburn game will be his fourth start, I guess, in, in, in the neighborhood, third or fourth. Point being, he's not, you know, having, I guess, started against Arkansas, uh, Western He's not. He's not played on the plains. Uh, he's not played a game anywhere near the intensity or uh, stage that playing on the road at Auburn is going to be. And and we'll learn a few things, I think, about Mac Jones's moxie next weekend. Yeah, crowd noise, things like that that you're going to have to deal with. And we know the last time Alabama went down to Auburn, some just catastrophic results in how it went about dealing with the crowd noise. Um, had a situation with the running backs trying to signal or, you know, tap the center and let them know that it's okay. Remember, I mean, you remember, I mean, it was a couple plays that were just, you know, just uh, destructive to the Alabama chances of winning down there uh, two years ago. So there's all of that that comes into play. But first and foremost, what you said, uh, the makeup of this guy, um, all signs right now look good. Uh, but I think we'll learn a lot more in the first possession or two next Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium than we have to this point. Certainly, Mac Jones is looking at an opportunity, not only in the Auburn game, but also looking beyond the Auburn game, whatever might lie ahead for the Crimson Tide in the postseason, to put some distance between himself and the rest of the quarterback field entering spring practice for the starting job in 2020. Obviously, we're a long way out from that, but, you know, Talia Tech, look, Mac Jones got a lot of experience last year. He, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's played, and again, he, he's only, he hadn't had a ton, a ton of crunch time experience, but I, I, there's a lot of distance between himself and the rest of the field and experience already. And between the Auburn game and a bowl game or whatever Alabama might end up with uh, after the Iron Bowl, uh, I think Mac Jones has got a, a heck of a chance to, uh, I don't want to say bury the field, but put a put a pretty sizable gap between himself and anybody else. A lot of cachet, a lot of trust that can be earned between now and next Saturday night, really. Um, you, you go on the road with a team, you quarterback a team to a win against a big rival like Auburn on the road, you give your team a chance for extended life where the postseason is concerned. Because if you go down to Auburn now and get a win and you do it by in, in, in somewhat impressive fact, I think if you just win the game, you, 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 you keep that selection committee on the hook to tell you at 11 and one, you're not the team uh, to fill that fourth and final slot. So, you know, if Mac Jones is able to just maintain his wits about himself and make good use of the weapons around him, 
and, and give his team a chance to win and perhaps win the game. I agree. I, I think you want to talk about an audition. Uh, and, and again, that all important word trust that you will earn from you, not only your teammates, but Nick Saban, the coaching staff, you know, it's not to make it any bigger for Mac Jones and it's already going to be, but these are the things, the byproducts as, as you alluded to, and we're touching on here that can, uh, can, can benefit Mac Jones. It's like, you know, it's like on the, the pro golf tour, right? You know, if if you if you win a if you win a tournament on the PGA Tour, that affords you the opportunity to play in the Masters the next year, right? So this is essentially what Mac Jones is kind of looking at. If he can win a tournament this next weekend on a tough track, as they like to say in golf, uh, that that affords him that that would seem to to help his chances greatly of. Uh, of exempt status almost on the tour, you could say. What about this Auburn team, Travis? We'll touch on the Tigers a little bit. Uh, a strong defense, as a lot of people expected, especially in that front seven defensive lineman, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, two of the best in the Southeastern Conference. Offensively, been a little more up and down for Gus Malzahn's squad and Gus Malzahn's side of the ball, as it were. Uh, a lot of a lot of pressure on Gus Malzahn with the way that Auburn offense has moved the ball fine in some games, not so well in others. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this Auburn team as they play uh, through eleven games? Yeah, Gus sort of removed the buffer, didn't he? I mean, did anyone really think Gus wasn't the the the, the where the buck stopped with the Auburn offense before this year? And I'm talking about in games too, okay? But he removed sort of that that play caller intrigue from the offensive coordinator uh, duties list and said, I'm calling the plays. You know, he, he, he exposed himself to what comes with that. And I don't think it's been the progression that uh, probably he thought and certainly that Auburn fans would like to see. And that's understanding there's a true freshman quarterback there in Bo Nix. Um, but still. Uh, it's just not a group that uh, has taken sort of that next step as the season has moved along. Now, you know, I think the good news for Auburn, we'll get more into matchups later in the week. I think some of the areas where Auburn isn't especially proficient on offense, and I'll start with that offensive line. um, That's not an area where I'm not sure Alabama, at least right up the middle of it, can capitalize like Georgia could, like Florida could like LSU could. So, you know, if you're Auburn, yeah, the, the offensive struggles have been there. Um, but this isn't uh, 2011 Alabama on defense either. Although when you look at points and you look at takeaways, points allowed and takeaways, you know, bottom line numbers for this Alabama defense, they've, they've been okay. Be sure to join us Wednesday night as we preview the Iron Bowl on Talking Tide. We'll have a ticket man update coming for you midweek and plenty more to come on the Iron Bowl. We're going to take a quick time out now to thank a couple of sponsors, uh, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. The phone number is 752-3506. Go to the web for an appointment, northriverdentist.com. It's the place to go to get your teeth taken care of in Tuscaloosa, conveniently located 
right off of Watermelon Road. As you go toward Northport on McFarland, you dip right onto Watermelon, and he's right there in Fairfax Park, uh, right by West Alabama Pediatrics. A fantastic dental experience. A staff of professional dental hygienists that will get you in and out of there on a routine cleaning in less than an hour. And all kinds of other services, porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, whatever you might need. Hey, football season's over now, so maybe you got a wedding coming up you've got to attend. You want those chiclets to look as white as can be for those pictures that get took. Uh, they got the teeth whitening services over there for you at North River Dentist as well. So check them out, North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Also want to thank Sessions Cocktails and Spirits. Hunter Wiggins and his staff are running the newest cocktail bar in Tuscaloosa at 2221 University Boulevard. It's right downtown next to the Children's Hands-On Museum, and they've got a phenomenal and deep menu of signature cocktails, the Gimlet, the Mint Julep, the Mai Tai, the Old Fashioned, the Sidecar. They do it all over at Session Cocktails and Spirits. Happy Hour Menu. Got to try that $5 peanut butter whiskey shooter for me when you get by there and see Hunter as well. Uh, And, of course, they've got an outstanding list of wines and domestic and craft beers as well. It's Session Cocktails and Spirits. Fancy glassware, funky atmosphere, and stiff drinks over at Session. You know, I hope you took my advice from the uh, pre-Western Carolina podcast, especially with the weather being what it was on Saturday. I hope you got downtown to Timerson Square and checked in on Brick and Spoon right there in downtown Tuscaloosa. Hope you checked out the breakfast there. I know the Talking Tide podcast uh, Twitter account got by Brick and Spoon here in the last couple of days because on my timeline right now, I'm looking at some photos of that crab scrambler. Uh, crab egg scrambler. It looks like the All-American. Uh, two over easy or two over medium, it looks like, with a nice big bowl of grits, a cat head sized biscuit, a couple of nice thick cut slices of bacon on that baby. Uh, and then the soft shell crab BLT from Brick and Spoon in downtown Tuscaloosa. What about a good bread? Uh, that was a heck of a trilogy there that you uh, posted on the Talking Tide podcast. Got by there this morning with my daughter who's in town for Thanksgiving week from the University of Kentucky and a couple of friends, John Copeland uh, and Megan Booth. They dropped in and uh, yeah, we spent about an hour and a half down there at Brick and Spoon yes. this morning. Uh, a couple Bloody Marys might have gone around the table. <laughs> uh, Not, with <laughs> Not with Coke. Not with Coke. Never with Coke. No, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, all, what we're outlining for you is just the, the tremendous versatility you can find there at Brick and Spoon, whether it's breakfast, whether it's brunch, whether it's lunch. I still got to get down there and get those black and red fish tacos, man. Those sound really, really good to me. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square, and we're glad to have them right here on the Talking Tide podcast. Also going to tell you about our good friends at Southern Ale House at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. If you ever get by there for lunch, there's a good chance you've seen me and Goodbread sitting there at that bar. We like to sit at that bar at lunch, you know, check out the televisions. They've always got the ESPN, the different programs on, live sporting events there for you. But outstanding menu options as well at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I like that Yardbird chicken sandwich real good. That's a smoked marinated chicken breast, large smoked marinated 
chicken breast. It's got some arugula on there, fresh cut tomato, a butter soft bun, and that slap your mama sauce that you can get with it. Outstanding sides to go along with that Yardbird chicken sandwich as well. Just one of the many outstanding menu options you'll find at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. It's in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you for a few more minutes, looking at a couple of games around the SEC. We'll touch on the CFB, CFP discussion before we close things out as well. Really just two games caught my eye in the, around the league this week, Travis, as we know. Uh, the the tune-up week, as they call it, before rivalry week tends to not be especially competitive in the SEC. But Georgia and Texas A&M got together 19-13. Georgia gets it done this time. Georgia kind of winning football games like early to mid-90s. Alabama won them. Kind of like 2008 Alabama, right? Um, boy, Jake Fromm doing his John Parker Wilson impersonation, except – Unfortunately for Jake, he doesn't have a Julio Jones at the wide receiver position. It's really been fascinating to watch this Georgia offense sort of plot around. But that defense has been good enough, and DeAndre Swift is still good enough uh, that here's Georgia at 10-1 and going into Georgia Tech weekend uh, next Saturday in Atlanta uh, and set to take on the LSU Tigers in that SEC championship game with LSU officially wrapping up that SEC Western Division title Saturday night in Baton Rouge. But, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the way Georgia plays. The The concern I have for Georgia is, whereas DeAndre Swift will, in my opinion, run for some yards against LSU in a couple Saturdays at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Chase, if you're thinking 20 points is going to be enough, even with that defense, I, I, I just I just can't see 20 being enough against LSU. You're going to have to score more than than what George is doing these days. Tennessee 24-20 over Mizzou. Tennessee picks up the sixth win. I guess that's bowl eligibility for the Vols. Missouri, on the other hand, is just, you know, we talked about the way South Carolina kind of collapsed this year. You want to talk about a collapse. Missouri lost their fifth straight. They're now 5-6 yeah. and six on the year, and they need a win over Arkansas next week to be bowl eligible. Things really came unglued this year for Barry Odom, Travis. They did, and – um you know, you're, you're sitting there in, what, mid-October? And Missouri's headed to Vandy and Kentucky back-to-back. And you're thinking, this is a team that's going to get to, I guess it would have been 7-1 and one at the time. And that's where the free fall started. Go to Vanderbilt, get pushed around, sort of manhandled by a bad Vanderbilt team. Uh, you, you lose to Kentucky, and it's just been, again, a free fall uh, ever since. And so... The good news for Missouri at this point is that, you know, that that bowl ban that Missouri still has in play for this season that it had appealed, well, it, it may not matter. You know, you, you, you may not want to go to a bowl, even if you're eligible, uh, if you're Missouri at this point. Ugly year, no doubt about it, for Mizzou. The college football playoff discussion, Travis, and, and Alabama's place in it, of course, uh, we're a couple of days away from a new, fresh set of rankings. But of note, this past weekend, Oregon catches a loss. A little bit of a shakeup in the Pac-12. Something Alabama needed. They're still going to need some more help along the way here. But that's a game that that uh, certainly uh, moved things a little bit in Alabama's favor. 
Yeah, although I kind of liked Utah looking ahead to a matchup with Air, uh, with Oregon, but certainly um, that does take one more team out of the mix. At this point, though, you become a big Oregon fan if you're Alabama. If it, you know, if it comes down to it, I mean, obviously Alabama's got a a tall mountain to climb in its own right coming up Saturday at Auburn. So first things first for Alabama's chances. But as far as external factors and help that Alabama could get, um, that that made Alabama fans feel better. I would say Saturday night and uh, tough for Mario Cristobal. A couple of trips to the desert each of the last two years haven't gone all that well at all. Um, and these home dogs, we've tried to tell people many, many times, Chase. These home do- home dogs, they got sometimes they got really, really sharp teeth. They do, they do, and uh, uh, certainly, I guess the the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve is is the league that I think Alabama fans turn to the most in terms of scoreboard watching now, right? You still got OU and Oklahoma yeah. State coming up. Oklahoma State 8-3 and three on the season. Uh, maybe gives OU a game and then, of course, a Big 12 championship game. Those are big ones for Alabama fans. Yeah, that's, uh, that's in Stillwater coming up Saturday. But again, uh, got to take care of your own business uh, in the Iron Bowl for any of that to matter. But if it does go down that way, Alabama, an early three-point favorite on the road in the iron bowl with Mac Jones at quarterback. Uh, if it does work out in Alabama's favor, uh, on the plane Saturday, then you wouldn't mind at all seeing Oklahoma state take care of OU in the Bedlam series there, uh, before OU even gets to a rematch with Baylor in the big 12 championship game. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us on Wednesday when we preview the Iron Bowl in greater detail and depth. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you midweek here on Talking Tide.